live I'm literally live today and um, I have a special review and review um, I'm gonna be talking about one of my clients newest releases which is Malto this is the front cover you know I'm not the uh... I'm not the dude that's just going around, you know, saying wild stuff or nothing like that. Like, <laughs> yes. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. this, this is who I am 24 right. seven, you know right. what I'm saying? So it ain't going to be no, you know, oh, he's doing this for views or nothing like that. That's not the right. point of my show. Like I said, it's, it's about my guests. It's not about me, you know? Definitely. Definitely. So, uh, Coastway, Casterberry. Coastway. Coastway. Yes. <laughs> a Kosuwa Casper. Yes. yes. Welcome to the I Can't Make This Up podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Uh, you know, last time we, we missed each other. I know due to, uh, uh, you know, things coming up. So yes. I'm glad we got a time to sit down and uh, make this happen. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, why don't you introduce yourself to my audience? Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Akosua Casaberry. I am the founding CEO of Amakosua, which is a publishing firm um, based in the Bronx, New York. And I help writers with all the phases uh, from, you know, writing to publishing. My clients come at different levels and different phases of their publishing journey. Um, but we also, um, I have an editing team, an amazing editing, uh, editing team. Um, and we help our clients, you know, bring their books to life, bring their manuscripts to life. Um, I'm married to my husband, Trevor, who you guys have seen, you've had on the show. And we have a beautiful daughter, uh, Madison. Um, what else? I am originally from Ghana. That's where my family uh, lineage is. Uh, I was born in Ghana, but I was raised in Harlem, New York. That's my home. I currently reside in the Bronx, but I'm from Harlem. Um, and uh, yeah. So, uh, at what age did you uh, come to New York? I was a baby. So, um, when my parents came here with us, um, me and my brother, I'm, I'm a twin. I have a twin brother. We were four months old. And so, you know, I get the joke that I'm not really Ga I'm not really from Ghana. Um, and I was, you know, I was born and raised in Harlem. I went to elementary school, middle school, and high school in Harlem. Okay. That's yeah. dope. That was uh... <laughs> You know, people always have a perception of a city based on what they see on TV or social yes. media and stuff like that. And it's always yeah. different. Like, you would expect, um, you know, what you see like downtown and Times Square. But then there's, you know, places like Brooklyn and, and places like Harlem and stuff like that. Where Very different. It's like it's hometown. Yeah. So it's like, it's like uh, five or six boroughs, right? That's <laughs> Yep, 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 yep. And um, anyone from Harlem, 
it will act like Harlem is its own borough, even though we're a part of Manhattan. But it just has a vibe and the feel of its own borough. You ever get back to Ghana? I actually went back. Um, my gosh, I went back for my father's funeral. Um, he passed away in 2017. He actually passed away while I was pregnant with my daughter. So, um, you know, he never got to meet her, unfortunately, and she never got to meet him. But we went back in 2017 um, and I went back to Kukrantumi, which is where my mom and dad are from, the village. Um, but we mostly stayed in Accra, which is like, you know, the city. Um, and that was my first time going back since I was born. And um, it was a great experience. It was a great experience, eye-opening um, and just man it was it was um intense you know i got to experience the funeral uh ceremonies and just the traditions that um you know the ganyans are accustomed to um it was yeah it was it was a great experience and the food i was familiar with that was my favorite part of course okay <laughs> yeah uh trevor told me that you uh you make a, a lot of cultural dishes. So. Yes, yes. I'm sure he told you some of his favorites. <laughs> oh, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> yeah. Was it, um, was it, I'm pretty sure it wasn't like a culture shock, but like, uh, you know, traveling back to, you know, homeland, sometimes the reception isn't always good. Was it, was it different or was it, was it very embracing when you went back? Oh man, it was different. Um, we had to get adapter pieces because the voltage is different. Um, and the service is slower. <laughs> it is slower. Um, obviously, if you know, you're in a certain area, you'll get quick service if there's high uh, 4G um, connection and high Wi-Fi connection. But it was definitely a, a slower pace. Everything just was slowed down. Um, and you kind of have to adjust to that. Um, and eventually I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Like it was different. It wasn't that fast paced hustle and bustle that we're used to. It was very, it was way more slower. It was just way more slower and cool. Um, and that was something I've never experienced before and something that was memorable about going back. Okay. Yeah. So do you write yourself? Yes, I do. I, I've been writing um, since middle school. My dad is a writer. My dad was, um, uh, he was a grammar snob. <laughs> he was very strict on us uh, with how we spoke. And he didn't like slang. We couldn't bring slang home. He'll correct our English constantly. He was very consistent. Um, and so, you know, we get our writing. I know I get out uh, my writing from him. Um, he was, uh, you know, my godfather and I, we like to call him a prolific writer. Um, and it, it definitely, you know, he passed that down onto us, his children. So um, I was writing, I wasn't writing, my favorite genre is poetry. Um, and I didn't start writing poetry until college. So I was writing like essays and, um, fiction, nonfiction, but, um, when I got to college and I really actually took poetry serious, I fell in love and I've been writing poetry since then. Like that's my favorite genre. Um, so I'm very biased towards that, but 
Um, I love all genres. Um, yeah, but I'm definitely a writer. I journal. I read as well. I like to, you know, make sure I'm reading um, different books. The book I'm reading right now that I haven't finished is Urban Culture Decoded. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's by Black Dot. Um, and I have a couple more chapters to go, but reading is just as important to me as writing. Writing is, is something I can do more often than reading because our attention span is compromised now. But um, yeah, writing is definitely, it has been with me. I, I, I just think of it as something that my dad passed down to us. Okay. So I'm assuming that's what led you into publishing. Well, <laughs> that's, oh, gosh, I would say um, the story behind uh, me getting into publishing is pretty crazy. Um, so I was in the corporate world uh, in 2016 up to 2017. I was an office administrator for an engineering uh, firm. And um, when I was five months pregnant, I got fired. So I didn't know what I was going to do at that point. Um, and I even was looking for other jobs after I got fired. And it just was way more difficult than I expected it to be. Um, trying to have my baby bump, but I also wanted to be honest in the interviews. I went on a couple interviews pregnant. And um, it just, I mean, it didn't work out. It's, it's hard for someone to hire you and you're going to go on maternity leave soon in a couple of months. So I had to accept the situation for what it was, uh, which wasn't easy. But um, I uh, sat down with my husband and he has started his company, Casper Consultant. And, you know, he's like, what are you going to do? And in the back of my mind, um, I had a senior thesis project written. It was a collection of poems. And I thought, uh, you know, I just had the thought that's the right time to publish the book. Um, and so, you know, my husband's like, all right, uh, if you want to do this, you have to create a business around it. So you're not the, the uh, cliche struggling writer. So that's what I had to do. And, you know, we realized that that was my primary skill set was my writing and editing. And that's how I got into publishing. Because for me, I, you know, I knew I wanted to become an author because that was something that my dad did. And, you know, at that point, it was something I knew I could do, too. But I kind of, you know, I didn't think that I would do it so soon. It was something like, I'll do that later. I'll do that, you know, when I turn this age. And it happened sooner than I expected. And I haven't turned back. I haven't looked back since. That's dope. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I always think about how people become or, or have certain careers. Like a lot of them don't choose it. It chooses them, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Taking something that you felt passionate about and making it into your everyday life. And, you know, Trev said you build a business around it. So, you know, going from, you know, working in the corporate world to, you know, work being self-employed, it's like, it's a big change and I bet it feels nothing like, you know, sitting in the office, punching the clock. Nothing. Completely different. It was a whole new world, whole new world. And um, man, I, I just, it, it was just, it felt right. It felt right. It felt right. Okay. So yeah. you, you've been doing that since 2017? I've been doing it since, um, well, I launched I'm a Coastal in 2018, but I, um, 
I started uh, working on Back to Bukuntumi. That's my uh, collection of poems from 2017, like the end of 2017, all the way up until when I launched it uh, in February of 2018. So um, Amakosua launched later that year. I just put out my book and I was, you know, getting feedback. Once you put out a book as a self-published author, people are going to ask you, how'd you do this? How'd you do that? And all that, right? Um, and so I was able to become a consultant, but I didn't have anything official. So, you know, gradually down the line in November, that's when I launched I'm a Coastwa to make this legitimate. Like this is going to be something that's established. So I'll be going on three years at the um, end of this year, November. Okay. Was it yeah. uh, difficult getting off the ground back then? Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to say no. Compared to to the rut that we're in now, I say no. It wasn't difficult. Um, it was a low cost investment. It was a low cost investment. I was able to do a lot of things virtually as well. Um, so you know, you have to pay for Zoom, a website, um, but it costs all of that costs less than a thousand dollars, you know, to get to get started. So it wasn't hard. The only thing that was tricky and remains to be tricky is the marketing, which you know I had to um, segue out of the editing and the writing, mostly the editing part um, and the publishing part. And now I got to be the one that's marketing, and that's total. It's a totally different world from anything editing, writing, publishing related. But it still is important to, you know, uh, reflect all of those other parts. But um, I would say marketing is definitely the hardest, the the toughest one. I'm, I won't say hard, the toughest one. Challenging. Okay, so is that the only book you have published? Uh, no, I actually have three um, books total. Uh, my second book is titled Dear Nice Girl, and that's a motivational quote book. Um, and that has 50 quotes, 50 passages explaining each quote and blank pages throughout the book. And Trevor has a motivational quote, uh, quote book as well. Um, but that book came about from writing letters on Instagram. Um, I was addressing myself as a nice girl um, because the one thing that came out of publishing Back to Kukran to Me um, and starting Amakosua was how I am presented and looked at as a leader, um, what authority I bring to this conversation and to the industry of publishing. And um, it just was a natural thing that, you know, clicked in my head um, of writing letters. Actually, let me rewind. I write letters because of Lucille Clifton. Let me, let me make that clear. She is a big influence um, to who I am as a writer. So oh, she writes letters, um, and I started writing letters because of her. So before I was even addressing myself as Dear Nice Girl, I was writing letters. But when I did decide to do Dear Nice Girl, it was just like, you know, uh, following up with the letters that I have been writing already. Um, but the feedback was real good. Like people were really receptive to it. And even my husband, he will be like, yo, I really like this letter today. Um, and one day we were talking about it and he was like, I think you should um, collect the letters and publish them. He's like, I think you should um, collect 50 of the letters 
and write passages explaining each letter. And I mean, I was like, oh, I like that. That's really, really dope. Um, at that point, I had maybe 10, 12 letters. Um, and so I had to write um, to get to 50. And it just, it was just, people were really respond, like um, receptive to it. I was getting a lot of good feedback. And um, once I actually started putting the manuscript together, that birthed the Amakosa Motivational Quote Books. I actually have another client who... Um, his is about um, personal training, and he has 10 quotes and 10 passages. And so it birthed this niche, um, you know, this uh, niche uh, style of writing for my clients for me to be able to be like, all right, I think you should write this type of book. Um, but the purpose of Dear Nice Girl is basically to motivate um, women, entrepreneurs, um, and motivate um uh, you know, motivate women on their journey through uh, through entrepreneurship um, and just, you know, explaining how being nice, which has so many different connotations, but from my experience, it had a more negative connotation to leadership um, than positive. And so I just, you know, spun it on its head to show it as a asset versus a liability. Um and yeah, my last or my latest book is uh, Why Every Pregnant Woman Should Write a Book. And that was birthed because of my experience of getting fired while I was pregnant. Um, it was really traumatic. Uh, and it was, you know, it wasn't the first time that I was laid off. Um, I had been temping before I got my position as an office admin. I've been temping for a whole year. And, you know, in the temp industry, it's, it's really fast paced. You might have a gig for a week, for a day, for three months, and you're, you know, hoping to get permanent. Um, and so I had been laid off while I was temping. But this time around, I mean, I, I just was in a vulnerable situation and I couldn't, you know, put myself back together. It took several months for me to really get myself together. It was even uh, tough to talk about finances really, really tough to talk about finances. Um, and so that book, you know, is the birth of going through that experience and coming out of it uh, to where I am today. And I actually have four other women um, who are uh, mothers themselves who share their stories, powerful stories, um, and who have, a, you know, played a huge role in my um, experience through pregnancy and motherhood. Um, and we're just sharing our stories with the world. You know, listening to your story about being fired, you would think that they would teach a class on what to do once you're no longer employed and how to, you know, counteract the situation because you know not everyone is blessed with someone in their life that uh you know build them up and encourage mm. them to not give up even though they they lost the opportunity or they oh, was not both the company like you know encouragement and you know uplifting uh somebody beside you should be you know a national anthem you know yes that's, that's oh what, man that's what that's, we need you know Ooh. Yeah. Not everybody. It's it's so much ego driven, you know, people that, you know, we consider what the normal everyday person is, you know, and not that not that I'm saying that I'm perfect or better than the next person. (laughs) But, you know, 
I'm considerate to the most part. And me being like a a neutral person, I can I can see both sides of the fence. I've been where you've been, and you can see that it affects others harder than it does, you know what I'm saying, uh, yeah. other people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's it's not hard to because we live in such a capitalistic society, you know. They don't focus mm-hmm. on that because if they taught you entrepreneurship in school, there wouldn't be point that, you know, they won't have people to fill these jobs to keep right. thing going, you know? Yes, definitely. Man, it was eye opening because I will say, you know, I had to I had to learn a huge lesson um, going through that experience. Um, at least, you know, once you are removed from it, you can see the lesson that you know, you needed to get from that experience. But um, I had a lot of growing to do myself. Um, And just, you know, accepting myself, accepting my life, uh, my situation, and, you know, building myself back up, picking up the pieces where I lack, holding myself accountable, you know, what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, Am I taking care of my, you know, mental writing was a huge role in helping me build my mental back up. But um, yeah, everything you said was just on point. So essentially your writing was like a form of therapy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And it's, you know, the one thing that I enjoy the most about publishing is going back and looking at my work and just enjoying it. Um, because the process of writing, I mean, my clients say it better than I do. And they, they say it all the time. The process of writing or your thoughts to writing a book on paper and publishing it is like transformative. Is I don't know how to explain it. I'm still trying to figure out the perfect way to explain it. But there is a transformation that occurs from publishing your own work. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely see that. Like to to see the the product of a thought you had in your head coming to life, and then you know make yes. an impact not only on your life but someone who actually took in that yeah. information and utilized it. You know. Yes, 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 yes. And publishing is an interest industry. I'm, I feel like I'm. I'm. You know, there's so there's so much more to to be delved into it's it's crazy and I, i'm like I, I have my feet planted but every day I'm, I'm learning i'm learning i'm learning i'm learning i'm learning okay so when you're writing do you uh i don't want to say mostly write for women but it's like you know uh something that you feel strongly about so that's what you're yeah. about Yes, I do. I definitely do. It's so funny because um, I have another, um, uh, my my daughter's godmother, she wrote a book of like a collection of poems for men. Um, Because the one thing that men will say is we need work for us, you know, Um, because there's a specific, like that's that's a specific category, specific language you have to use. Um, But for me right now, I do focus heavily on women only because of, um, how much I've gone through. And, you know, once women go through pregnancy and motherhood, that transformation um, is really, really big. Um, And I want to be able to, you know, be that advocate, be that support. So a lot of my writing is definitely for women, but I don't exclude men um, or even, you know, non-binary people. Um, It's important for me to 
you know, expand on that. Um, and I know I'm focused mostly on women, but for now, but that's not going to be, you know, my soul, uh, my soul focus. And even with um, publishing, I know it's, it's important to be focused on your target. Because the one thing that I tell all my clients is your one book, no matter, no matter how many books you write, it's not going to be for everybody. It's going to be for a specific person. Um, and you want to make sure that you have that detailed so you know the purpose of your book, you know who you're writing to, you know what language you need to use to actually connect and resonate with that person. So if I'm writing for men, if I'm writing for children, all of that will be totally different, you know, from writing for women. So, you know, that that plays a, a, a part. And I, I take that, you know, into consideration, not to just throw myself in a bunch of situations, but being being intentional with my message and with my purpose. OK, so you, yeah. you've been building your brand for like a little over three years now, right? Yes, 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 yes. Definitely. Slowly, little by little, <laughs> little what, by little. What, what has been some of the biggest drawbacks from that? Oh, man. The biggest drawback, I would say, is being a small publishing firm. Um, it's hard. Like, I don't have the marketing dollars that I would love, right? And so I'm in people's DMs and I'm in people's emails. And it's a lot of, you know, just direct exchange versus being able to push out an ad and have your target set and you know that it's running without you even having to be there. So that's the biggest, um, that's the biggest drawback is the marketing aspect. Because the one thing that you hear coming into publishing is marketing and how important that is. But marketing costs money. And when you're a small business, you have to, you know, figure out knowing that knowledge how to be proactive and, you know, accepting your situation. All right. I may have a small ad budget, but I know that I can DM a hundred people. Um, I know that I can put out this flyer and, you know, do hand to hand exchanges, get people's emails, um, send out newsletters. Like all of that is something that, you know, I, I don't want to feel like it's a waste because it's not moving fast. Like it's a, it's a slow journey, um, but it does, you know, make a difference. It's just that's one of the, the biggest um, hurdles when you're a small business. Okay. Yeah. So you started off virtually. Have you ever done any pop-up shots or in-person presentations? Not yet. Not yet. I'm I'm seeing so many pop-up shops now that we are the the, the pandemic uh, restrictions have lifted, um, and I definitely plan on doing that. Um, I actually have a poetry slam coming up that's going to be virtual, and um, it's the second annual. When I did the first one, I already had questions about whether it'll be in person, so I know it's going to be by force. It's going to have to be in person, but the logistics, I want to make sure that it's, you know, it makes sense, um, but that'll be something that I'm looking forward to doing in, per, uh, in person is um, the poetry jam. Um, you know, I always bring in my birthday that way. So that's one thing that I'm looking forward to having in person. Pop-up shops are most likely, it's easier to kind of get on other people's if they already have an established um, system versus me creating my own. It's a lot of work. So 
the one thing that I like to do is, you know, stay in my lane, you know, stick, stick to what I do best. And right now the poetry jam is something that, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going a second time around. I plan on going the third time around. So that's something I want to grow um, and, and eventually be in, per, in person because I know that's what um, the people who are supporting me, that's what they want to see. Um, but the pop-up shops, I'll definitely, I plan on attending um, other people's because there's so many happening like this week, this weekend. Um, and all of them, I'm just like, all right, none of these are in the Bronx right now. So um, <laughs> traveling's a bit expensive, but you know, you gotta make it work where you can. Okay. Have you been to many writers' conventions? Oh, yes. Um, all of my, not all of my clients. Um, a lot of my clients have book releases once they publish their books. And I'm always in there ready to support because, I mean, to see, your clients perform their work it's just i love i love it i love it um but i've been recently even expanding myself to um the spoken word community i was one of the poets who wrote not necessarily performed um but once you get into that space people want to see you perform and so i've been expanding my network getting to know new poets um watching them perform joining virtual open mics that was a big thing during you know this whole pandemic was virtual open mics which i enjoyed you know it's we were concerned about you know the video compromising, but I don't know. I, I enjoyed the virtual events. I still enjoy the virtual events. I don't think anything is lost. I, I think it's just a different experience than in person. Um, but yeah, I um, definitely go out to all the writing um, events that I can to, especially um, my clients, I'm, I'm there to support. But um, yeah, there's open mic nights that I really enjoy. A lot of them, a lot of a lot of these events be in Brooklyn too. Shout out to Brooklyn. <laughs> Shout out to Brooklyn. Um, but yeah, Brooklyn poets, they hold it down. Brooklyn poets hold it down. The Bronx too. Um, but yeah, I definitely find myself a lot going to Brooklyn for these open mics and these poetry events. Some of them are, you know, just open mics and some of them are competition too. Um, and I've got to... Um, you know, be the judge of some of them, um, just go enjoy some of them. So it's been a world, it's been a great experience. And I meet a lot of people. You meet so many people that way. That's what's up. Yeah. I, I know that, uh, you know, if, you know, COVID didn't, you know, shut the world down, you probably would have been on the street, you know, <laughs> having even more interaction. So, yep. you know, yep. was, was there a, uh, was there a big change or dip in uh, your business last year due to the quarantine? I would say, you know what's so funny? That's a great question. When the pandemic first really hit, when it was really intense, when we got that first wave, business was popping. Business was booming, and I didn't even expect it. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people were ready to revamp their resumes, their cover letters. People were ready to go back to school. I had a client who literally wanted to go back to school to be able to solve, you know, this problem, this pandemic. It inspired her to go back to school. And she wanted her um, personal statement worked on. So I just didn't even, ex you know, I didn't expect that. But now in 2021, it's been tough. It's been really, really tough. And, um, 
you know how there are dry spells with business Mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm going through that right now. So that's been tough navigating. Like um, my marketing dollars aren't, you know, it's not high. So I'm, I've been in DMs literally for the past month, just getting the word out about my poetry slam, just doing what I can. Um, Cause you have to move forward even through a dry spell and it's tough mentally. Um, but um, I've been in therapy. I have coaches um, to get me through because I mean, I'm not the only person going through it and it's, you know, good to have some support, some, you know, mental assistance um, to get through this. But yeah, that's a great question because 2021 is totally different from 2020 right now for me. Um, But I'm pushing through, you know, I believe in what I'm doing. um, But when they say for some people, it takes five years, I'm looking at it like, damn, like I it really does take five years to actually, you know, be solid and grounded in what you've built and established. And that's tough. You know, five years is no joke. And I'm, I'm on year three. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so you got a game plan that you're following and you're making sure that, you know, you're meeting those deadlines. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because um, it's just for me, it's, it's no going back. It's no quitting. Um, and I, I, I'm proud of myself for, you know, prioritizing what I need to, so I can keep on pushing, um, and and show up for my husband, show up for my wife, my brothers, my friends, um, just making sure they are getting the best version of me, making sure I'm getting the best version of me. And, um, yeah, I'm taking it day by day. That's for sure. So your your client's age range says you, uh, you have more, uh, I would say people like older than oh, above their mid twenties or, or would you say it varies? It all depends on, uh, you know, who you have on the normal. Oh, I definitely have. Um, most of my clients are, are um, mid twenties, uh, even some thirties um, or early thirties. Um, I've had my first child client, um, which was amazing. Um but yeah, most of my clients are definitely mid twenties. I have some clients that are in their early thirties as well. Um, and um, now we've expanded to children as well. I've, I've, my my youngest client has been ten years old. Okay. Yeah, yeah, she's really, really dope. <laughs> really, really dope. <laughs> okay. what, what did you help her with? So she wrote um, a collection of short stories and poems, um, and her name is Serenity Marbury. She wrote uh, 10 years, of, uh, her book is titled 10 Years of Serenity, and basically it's, um, have you heard of the book Chicken Noodle Soup for the Soul? It's yeah. like a book for teens, yeah. So she has her version, um, but she basically you know, opens up the reader into her world as a little black girl, um, you know, living and existing in America. She has um, short stories and poems about Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, time travel. Um, she even, you know, talks about sea rise um, level, sea, uh, sea rise, yes, sea rise levels. Um, and um, the military, it just is a combination of, of all of those experiences that she's had. She talks about uniforms, she has her own opinion on that, right? Um, she is um, 
basically just, you know, bringing the reader in on her world, how she sees the world through her eyes. Um, and, and most importantly, how she sees the world as a little black girl in America living and existing. That's dope. Um, yeah. It's, it's rare that you hear about like, you know, child prodigies or, you know, children of color doing something yes. great like that. So I'm glad that you were able to help her out and, and highlight. Man, it felt really good. It felt okay. really, really good. Did that um did that bring you uh you know more clients if not parents of children who were looking to start? Yes, yes, absolutely. So um uh there are I won't, you know, <laughs> say too, too much, but there are definitely parents who are eager to um, have their children become authors. And I've noticed um, there's just an influx of kids um, ranging from her age and even all the way up to 17-year-olds. They're very receptive to the idea of, of becoming self-published authors. Um, and they want to know, you know, what the process is like. Um, but I also ironically have a lot of parents who want to write children's book now. And so I was able to get an illustrator um, and I have a, a lead editor who, um, you know, is a lead editor for all of our children's books. So, you know, I'm planning to build our our children's book list as well. I was as well as our um, child authors, teen authors list as well in the future. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. Okay. So <clears throat> having, uh, you know, starting your own business and working from home and, you know, being a mom, you know, black women wear a lot of hats and, you know, they're superheroes <laughs> in that regard. Yeah. Um, how, how do you how do you have downtime with everything that you have going on? I prioritize it. Um, I definitely prioritize it. So my calendar is like really important to me. <laughs> um, my calendar helps me, you know, be able to make sure that my day is, I can check my boxes. Um, but what I, I like to do simple things um, because I always say simple doesn't mean easy. Um, so for me, it's important for me to take care of my hair and my skin, um, and just my body. So when, when it's time for me to, you know, take care of that, I let hubby know, I gotta, you know, take some time. You, you, you know, you got this. And that's one of the biggest, um, changes that I made. I, I didn't spend this much time just taking care of myself ever in my life. Um, but that's the one thing that I make sure that I'm consistent on. And I've been consistent since I gave birth to my daughter. And that's been like, um, it's just been a powerful experience. Um, and, you know, if I can go out with my girls from time to time, that's something that's really sweet. But I, I've learned to um, enjoy my own company and enjoy, you know, what makes me happy. Writing is also a, a big thing. Um, if I can set aside, set aside, set aside time to write. Um, and it doesn't have to be for a long time. 15 minutes for me is good. Like I'm proud when I can say that I wrote for 15 minutes and I put in that effort. For me, it's the small things, um, you know, that matter the most right now. So those are what I put the most focus on, um, you know, at the moment, make sure I'm drinking water, holding myself accountable to do that. Like those are the small things for me that I'm able to just continue to do because that consistency, I've reaped the benefits from that. 
um, to be able to feed myself and always so I could show up for, you know, everybody else. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, was there anything that you missed last year that you can enjoy now that, you know, the restrictions have been lifted? Man, oh, I would have to say going to the events, going to eat, going to the events. We actually um, we're going to a movie premiere next month. Um, we have a wedding that we're going to. Like, I'm I'm happy that we're getting to do those outdoor activities again for sure. Going to these events, that was that was the one thing where I realized, like, dang it, I like going to events. <laughs> I like going to events um, because they, it played a role, a huge role. You know, after I got fired, um, I was able to do a lot of that. Um, and, you know, like I said, with my clients and their book releases, I was there going out, going to their events. Um, and for that to have been gone, it, it was interesting. It was definitely interesting. And now everything's open back up. So my, my calendar is filling up again with places to go, things to do. It's, it's crazy. You don't feel apprehensive at all about being in crowds? No, 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 no. <laughs> not at all, man. And I'm an introvert and I'm a naturally an introvert. So I have enjoyed being home, but... I mean, the sun is out now, man. I, that vitamin D, I'm trying to get a tan out here. Like, <laughs> it's just like, I can't, I can't stay home to do that. So yeah, man, <laughs> it's, it got, God is showing me, you know, yes, you're an introvert. Yes. You like to stay home, but do you actually like to stay home all the time? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So it's, it's that, you know, awareness, that balance is, important you don't i didn't realize it this this pandemic helped me realize that for sure okay what's your sign cancer okay yeah why (laughs) no because uh i'm a libra and i'm i'm you know i consider myself an introvert but i like you know uh interacting and mingling with people you know i don't stay too long but you know depending on the vibe and the conversation yes but you know I, you know, I miss going to the movie theaters, even though I don't, mm-hmm. like, I don't like them crowded. Yes, but, you, know, you go after after two weeks. All right, yeah, you yeah. already saw it. Yeah, I, either I go to the the first show or the last show. So mm. way, I ain't got worried about a bunch of people talking or right. making noise. I can, I can <laughs> you know, sit there, and pay attention to the movie, you know, right. and enjoy it. You know, get right, my right, and you know, going to the bar, meeting new people, but you know, mm. usually. You know, when I go to the bar, I ain't gonna say usually when I go to the bar. <laughs> when I when I go when I travel out into the world, I run into you know random people, and right. it's like I like like the, the title of my show. I, I can't make this up, right? So, yes. you know, one time I, uh, I I took my nephew out with me, like. Um, a couple of weeks after he turned 21, I'm like, all right, you come to the bar with me, right? Yes, turn so, up. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's me, two, uh, my nephew, and uh, three of my homeboys. And we went to this Friday's, and the whole situation just turned into like this event, right? So, you know, we sit down, we take up one side of the bar. There's a bartender, a young lady, who's working behind the bar who's visibly pregnant and I'm like, 
Okay. This is wild. And yeah, that's wild. She's making drinks <laughs> and she's taking shots. With oh my God. The guys. And I'm like, I'm on the other end and I'm just watching and I'm like, <laughs> all right, this that's one thing. So this random guy comes and sit besides me, right? And uh he was asking, like, you know, uh, you know, was the bartender moving slow to, you know, take orders or whatever. I was like, nah, he he been moving around. So he orders his drinks. He asks me what I'm drinking, and we having a little small talk back and forth. And he gets to telling me about some drink that he came up with that he had to make. And I'm like, okay, that's nice. And I'm trying to like go back to watching the game or whatever, right? Yes. He orders his drink. He says it's real good. You should try it. And I was like, all right, I'll probably order one next round or whatever. <laughs> he said, nah, man, you really gotta try it. He takes his straw out of his drink. He puts it to my face, and I'm like this. And I'm looking out the corner of my eye. I see the bartender. The bartender stopped. He was washing the cup. He looking. He like, you better not drink that drink. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> wow. So that happened, and <laughs> you know, he goes back to eating his meal, and I turn over. And they just having a conversation, lollygagging and all this stuff. I'm like, y'all didn't see this guy try to force his drink into my mouth? Like, y'all just gonna let this happen? Oh, my God. So I leave. I go outside. At that time in my life, I I smoked cigarettes. I went outside and I had a cigarette, right? Um, my, my, My homeboy comes out there. He uh he's like, what happened? I told him the story. He's like, I ain't even see it. And he said, matter of fact, I seen y'all talking. I thought you knew him. I said, nah, man. Random people just come to me and do crazy stuff. I go back in. The guy leaves, right? I go back. You know, we enjoying the rest of the night. Um, uh, We end up having a conversation. We was like screaming at some girls on the other side of the bar. So we go over there and we go talk to him. The, right. guy, the guy comes back in a different outfit. And he's like scanning the room. And I'm like, did he come back and he's looking for me? Like, it's time to go. Like, and, and they like, I mean, I think you made a new friend, man. You can't keep on hanging. I have never paid a bill so fast and left the restaurant in my life. Wow. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Bar stories are the best. Bar stories are the best. Wow. That was an eventful night. That was an eventful night. <laughs> that was that was in like three hours. Wow. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And that's just a, a, a ice chip in the in mm. the slushy of my life when it comes mm. to stories like that. Oh man. Sound like you gotta write a book. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm working on it. Oh yeah, I'm working on it. You know, yes. right now because I'm not a I'm not a writer. I'm not a real grammatical person. So, you know, I'm I'm gonna have to pay an editor a lot. But I, <laughs> you know, I got the I got the general stories. Nice, nice. I'm, I'm working on details because mm-hmm. when I write them down, I'm telling I'm telling the story. But I know when it comes to writing a book, you gotta, you know, you gotta be real vivid with the details and yes. explanations and yes. placements and stuff like that. So, you know, trust me, when it comes out, it's gonna be like 
You lying. <laughs> oh man! Oh yeah, I'm definitely getting that. Let me let me know when pre-orders is ready, man. Wow. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> I know that you know you probably like probably read like some manuscripts or whatever that you came across and trying to help somebody. I'm okay. pretty sure you seen some stuff that was just like, wow, this is this is going to be crazy when you finish. Oh, yeah. My my clients. Oh yeah, the the urban novels specifically that uh genre who <laughs> these urban novels be getting me man my gosh but yeah urban novels are definitely um the greediest novels uh that i get for sure poetry too because you know poetry can go there but urban novels definitely go there <laughs> do you see a rise in um you know like uh black writers in the past you know five years or something like that Oh, definitely. You know, here's what I'll say. Because um, Black writers, I would say, have always existed. Um, and I think just, you know, first being on just the outside looking in before even starting a publishing company, um, there were a lot of complaints about just how Black writers are perceived and accepted within a publishing industry, specifically traditionally. Um, and with self-publishing, I have seen Black writers really latch onto that because they know they can do it themselves. And um, there's been an increase in so many self-published Black writers. Um, I come across them every every single day. I'm coming across new writers. Um, and, you know, I join different Facebook groups dedicated to focusing and highlighting Black writers. And it's just, you know, there's an increase every every single day because self-publishing is like a new lane that, you know, Black writers have been able to put themselves in to get their own stories out there um, that, you know, is, is different from traditionally, um, the traditional uh, part of publishing. So, yeah, I'll definitely say there's been an increase in that aspect. Although, in my opinion, there's always been um, Black writers. I just have noticed that the reception to Black stories has been um, not the best, not the greatest. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, once we start, stop as a country or, you know, as a populace, stop uh you know segmenting people by black writers white writers whatever i mean because you don't really hear the word white writers you hear yeah. black writers you know what i'm saying like definitely just be a writer a fiction writer autobiography writer uh you know uh yes. you know instructional writer you know motivational writer you know right, right. You know, respect my penmanship not you know I mean, respect the color of my skin as well, but right, don't, right. don't single me out, you know? So Yeah, man, that's that's a great point. It's always so tough. Um, and the, I, I, I uh, have those conversations a lot, too, because um, <clears throat> the one thing that me and my husband talk about is, you know, is that used um, for marketing? Um, you know, is it even beneficial for us to um, put that before writers, put Black before writers? It's an ongoing conversation. I'm still, I don't know, I'm still, you know, not even sure how I feel about it because the one thing I will say is Black writers have 
a different experience, a unique experience, you know, just based off of culture, hair, skin, um, lineage that, you know, is different from other cultures. But like you're saying, you know, we should definitely be able to exist as just a writer for whatever it is, as just a motivational writer or urban um, novel or sci- a sci-fi or a psychological thriller, like whatever the case is. So, yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good point. A point that's that topic gets you know discussed to this day on on that um, aspect of putting black before you know calling ourselves writers. Yeah. I mean, it's it's great because when you do that and you got people that want to support you specifically or, you know, support a black person that's just starting up, you know, that's what that's what we have to do as a whole. To, you know what I'm saying? Distinguish yeah. ourselves from somebody else, not to take away from, you know, work from anybody else. But, right. you know, that's what my focus is, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah. So do you draw most of your inspiration from your poetry or is it, uh, you know, like multiple books that you've read or, you know, uh, things that you've watched by, you know, the writers or whatever? Oh, man, I definitely draw a lot of um, inspiration from reading um, poetry, especially but um, I want to actually explore new genres. Um, I'm thinking about writing an urban novel myself. And um, so I've been expanding the type of books that I read, um, especially, you know, with urban with urban novels. I've been reading those a lot more. Um, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, where I can fit in within that genre um so yeah i would say poetry has been the main source of inspiration but now i'm trying to you know delve out into other genres to be able to push myself because that's a challenge um you know poetry i've been doing for so long and um I want to try something new. I want to challenge myself to, you know, do something new. I'm thinking urban novel, and I definitely want to do uh, young adult fiction as well. I grew up reading young adult uh, fiction. My brother would throw, you know, different books at me that were young adult fiction. That's one of his uh, favorite genres as well. Um, And I want to, you know, at some point get to that as well. So, you know, I know I have to, every writer has to, you know, uh, expand their knowledge, expand their experience, and you know, get out their comfort zone. So it's gonna be uh, those are gonna be the new experiences that I'm looking to you know get into outside of poetry, which is I'm biased. That's my favorite genre, but um, I know I, I'm I need to get into the other genres as well. You know, I uh, I've been talking to people for like the last two years about you know, having conversations about the dynamic between men and women and about, you know, um, you hear and see videos about, you know, how men should approach women or, you know, how to treat them with respect. And when you, when you have those conversations, you delve into, you know, topics about, you know, uh, you know, how they, what type of household they was raised in, whether they had both parents and, you know, as far as like what they went through as far as the upbringing and stuff like that. So I wish it was a way that you could 
you know, write a how-to manual for mm-hmm. young men to, you know, how to speak to women because I, what you have these days in age, and it's been going on for years now, is that most of them don't know how to just have a conversation with a girl unless they're yeah. trying to, like, you know, get at them or something. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. so, you know, you know, emotions, of course, can be tempered or, you know, get involved and yeah. their instant reaction is something negative. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not just being raised, but there's no how-to manual for life, but there are lessons and there are experiences that you can learn from and that way make things go better. So that way there isn't this, you know, automatic fear from a, a woman seeing a guy approach them mm-hmm. or uh, a fear that a guy might have that even though he's sincere, it's going to be a negative or, you know, an instant rejection from opening your mouth and trying to approach a young lady. Like, I, it would have to be, like, done from both perspectives, like a yes, definitely. and a male writer getting together. Yep. And yeah. can't be biased when it comes to, you know, putting this out to, like, I think that would be dope and it would help the younger generation and, you know, have an uptick when it comes to, you know, respect amongst, you know, the sexes. Yes. Oh, man, that's a great topic because I know I know what you're talking about. Um, I definitely see different videos that go viral um, with, you know, how if a man is, you know, rejected, rejected by a woman, how it can turn negative um, and go left. Uh, I'm going to have to talk to my husband about that. That's something that I I didn't even consider. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, I'm sure he'll have a great uh, insight from a man's perspective and I could definitely bring the woman's perspective, but yeah, that's quite a topic. Um, I'll definitely, I'll have to put, I'll have to lock that, lock that into my brain because um, I definitely, I'm aware of the different things that are going on in that regard, um, especially the ones that kind of go left. you know, in terms of trying to get a woman's attention, trying to get her number, whatever the case may be, um, but also just existing, you know, having conversation with the opposite sex without it having to be anything sexual or anything like that. So uh, give us some, give me something to think about for sure. That's I'm going to definitely lock that in the back of my brain. Yeah, you know, maybe something to come from it and, you know, some some content or uh a movie can get behind it, you know. Okay, I see what you I see where you're going. I see where you're going. I see where you're going. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. I'm always, you know, you know, even as a kid I can remember having ideas but never really put nothing behind it. Like so now I'm at a point in my life where I can find resources and information to make those happen. Like you, I don't have the capital yet. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, you know, but I'm working on it. Yes, definitely, definitely. Absolutely, man. Wow, yeah. So let me ask you this. Uh, What advice would you give to somebody who's, uh, you know, thinking about getting into the writing world or, you know, have thought about, you know, becoming a publisher and just haven't, you know, quite got there yet or been motivated to do it yet? Great question. I would say, um, I would say you want to give yourself the first thing I will say is you want to establish your target reader that's really important 
um, and you want to make sure that it's not too wide or too vague. Be specific. You know, give them a name. I, I, when my clients come to me, we give our um, our target readers, they, we give them a name. Um, it can be, you know, uh, aspiring Ashley. And, you know, she's 25 years old. She, you know, is a teacher. She makes uh, $60,000 a year. Like, that's how detailed you want to be. So that when you're writing, you have that person in mind to be as focused and, you know, drive your purpose home. Um, if you're writing about, let's say, um, how to navigate the corporate world, um, you don't want to just say it's for everybody. No, it's for, you can say it's for men who have locks, who want to navigate the, the corporate world. That's a very specific niche. Um, and, you know, you want to uh, focus on a specific age. Um, you know, I'm writing this book for men who have locks who are uh, 25 to 30. And I want to show them how to, you know, um, help other people de uh, destigmatize how people see locks, how people value locks, and how it can be. And, you know, it's not a distraction from going up the corporate ladder. Like something as specific as that is going to be important. Um, so once you once you establish that, then you want to, you know, um, get your step, your steps in order. So I go over the um, I'm a coastal 11 steps to publish. So you want to, um, you know, use the right language with corporate America. You want to use language that makes sense. Use language that's going to resonate with uh, your male readers. Um, you want to have your, um, you want to get prepared, give yourself at least 12 to 18 months. And that's from the writing phase all the way up to the publishing phase. And you're going to see a lot of different fads. Unfortunately, you know, in all industries, that's, that's a part of it. People have different fads. So you might see 24 hour author, 48 hour author. I'm, I'm, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't push that myself because um, I would say you, you want to give yourself at least four months to actually write. Um, and if you can write faster, great, <laughs> right? But um, don't put unnecessary pressure and don't, you know, don't, don't rush it. Um, it's, it's, it's not going to benefit you in the long run. You want to put all your time and energy, um, you know, get your pre-order strategy together, get your release date plan together. You want to have a pre-order strategy and run pre-orders for at least 30 days minimum, right? Um, you want to get your media kit together, right? So if you need to contact some podcasts, so, you know, you let them know, hey, I'm releasing my book in 30 days. Can I come talk about it? Can I come share my message and make sure you're going to the right platform? that you know will be um that will connect with your your readers uh that'll help you build an audience your mailing list uh you want to drive people to you right as the publisher yes amazon is our tool and our resource but that's for reviews right that's for people to be able to google you real quick you want to bring them to your world your space your website. And the benefit of doing that is to retain that email address, shipping address, that information. So if you, you, you know, if you need to target them again, you can, if you need to inform them about a new book, you can, because once they buy it off of Amazon, you don't get that information. 
that information is for Amazon because of you know how they have their uh, system set up. So the those are the things you want to consider when you're beginning to write your book to put all of that in place. And give yourself a minimum of twelve months um, to you know get that process going. That's extensive, especially because, <laughs> yeah. you know people think it's like when they say. Uh, you know, you hear that term uh, must be nice when they don't know the <laughs> effort that came behind making it, yes. or making this pop. Like just because you're good at something, you make it look easy, but doesn't mean it isn't, you know, blood, exactly. blood tears behind that. You know? Oh yeah. Cause oh man, writing a book will get, ooh, you gonna go through it. <laughs> okay. You gonna go through it. Um, and that's why I, I, you know, it's frustrating with these different fads of, you know, you're just playing on people's emotion of wanting to get that off their title so quickly. Um, but, um, you know, put put in that, that keep that integrity because that's going to benefit you in the long run. Most definitely. Yeah. I think that, I think once people get out their own way and realize that, you know, it, it's not hard to, you know, do something on your own and, yeah. you know, make it happy. You just got to figure out what makes you you and what drives you because you know like they say you can lead a horse to water but you can't make them drink you know yes uh, absolutely 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 yeah, i just would hope that you know people aren't putting their time and effort into the wrong thing and not saying that they're doing something wrong but you know it's like people who go to college and they become an accountant because they think it's an easy job and then it's right. miserable. Right. So, you know, figure out what's best for you because then you're just going to be in debt at a miserable place that you don't want to do. You know, then you start all over later in life when you could have out the gate did something you loved and have that much more experience in it and grew it from there, you know? Absolutely. On my phone, let me put, let me plug in my laptop right quick. <laughs> Make sure it's not flying on me. Okay, here we go. Oh, okay. cool. Thank you. Sorry about that. No, you're good. So, uh, right now, you know, it's been the middle of the summer, and you know, people are, I guess, getting adjusted to the new normal. Oh yeah. And um, you know either going back to the office or, you know, uh, starting up a new venture, whatever the case may be. And now it's like, <clears throat> how do we navigate through this? How do we, how do we make this happen? And then, or how do we, you know, get ready for what's going to happen in the next six months, 12 months or whatever. And I think that if you just paid attention over the past year, you can kind of see where things are going. Yes. So, oh yeah. I, I think that, I think that people, people kind of come. I don't want to say have a, a drone mentality, but people, people just kind of float around. You know, just just aimlessly. Like yeah. you ever see the Lego Movie? Yeah, I don't think I did. <laughs> I don't think I did. So the Lego movie, uh, the main character, his name is Emmett. And he was like, you know, just going along with the flow, like mm -hmm. another cog in the machine. And he was just like the star normal person. Mm -hmm. And people would like make fun of him because they was like, you know, he's like, you know, he's trying extra hard 
for a person that's not really sticking out. You know, the only reason you're sticking out is because you're just like overjoyous, you know, about how happy you are to be so mundane, you know. So I think I think, you know, people should watch that and kind of, you know, take that as a, a lesson for life. Like they got a lot of, you know, gems in these uh kids movies these days that yeah. you know kids don't necessarily pick up on but adults retain like you know hey that's dope like the kids will probably you know absorb it subconsciously but they right. won't you know notice it until later on in life right like actually i have a question for you if that's all right that's fine all right so with um everything opening back up right and we've had a, uh, a lot of americans on unemployment and now they're trying to get people back into the offices, which I don't think is going to be easy as um, uh, as we would expect. So <laughs> I'm just um, my question basically is like, what do you think? How do you think people are going to react to, you know, them, 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 them pushing us, you know, trying to get people back into the whole work um, environment, office environment now that things are starting to get open again? I think, you know, per usual, when it comes to media, situations like that causes, you know, civil unrest, you know. So when you um so it's like when schools open back up like back in may here you know uh kids went to school and it, it was it was stupid because it was basically the end of the school year yeah but then you had you know kids get sick uh, mm-hmm. teachers get sick yep and it's like we're depending on what part of you know what state you in or what, what part of the country you in and i mean all around the world we are so you know you know, we, we react instead of, you know, thinking ahead. It's like when uh, COVID hit, we reacted to it when, you know, grocery store. Yes. So Obama, he spoke about a possible threat like this happening. So instead of, you know, having some type of plan and putting some type of effort behind it, now it's, we scrambling. So it's, 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 it's a catch 22 because some people, they don't have a choice. It's like you could come back to work or you could find another job. Right, right. So, you know, it also, it all depends on your personal opinion. It's like, you know, whether you're going to take the vaccine or not, you know. Mm. So, all these things are, there's no general answer for it. You know what I'm saying? So, for me personally, like, you know, I was blessed enough to be an essential worker. So, I wasn't laid off. But, you had people who were in those situations that end up, you know, getting paid unemployment, making right. more money than they were initially. Even <laughs> yeah. working, yeah. But they did nothing with the money, nothing to better True. their situation. You know, True. So yes. they, 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 I don't, I don't want to say they didn't capitalize on the situation, but they didn't choose wisely or they didn't think responsibly when it came right. to the blessing they received. Mm. You know, that's facts. And it made people, it made hardworking people like myself very envious. You know, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, that that was that was you know their gift and not mine. So all I can do is work for what I had. Because if I, you know, mess around, I mess around, get on unemployment, and I don't get what the next person get. Like like my friend, you know, I'm saying (sighs) he was he was unemployed for almost 
18 months. Wow. It took them them nine months before he got his first payment. Yeah. So imagine, imagine having the family and go. Right. So it's just, it's ridiculous, you know. So crazy. when When it comes to stuff like this. I'm pretty sure you've heard it before and I'll say you got to do what's best for you and yours. Yes. That's a fact. That's a fact. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you for that. Wow. Yeah, most definitely. Like, you know, it's 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 one of those things that, you know, I would rather have a conversation on about air, off air because, of course. You, know, <laughs> yep. you know, people, yep. people get riled up about, you know, certain topics and everything. Definitely. This is one of them. Yeah. So, you know, I try to, I try to take emotions out of it, you know, and I'm not, I'm not disregarding the next person's emotion, but you gotta, you gotta look at facts, yeah. you know? So, you know, don't just, don't just assume because a person speaking about something and you feel, you know, negative towards it doesn't mean that they're trying to be negative towards you or disregard right. how you feel about it. This is just their perspective. You know what I'm saying? That's like, if I tell you go outside and look at the sky and you say, what, it's blue. And I say, uh, obviously it's purple. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Unless you yeah. like, you a sky enthusiast, you're not, you're not going to worry about it. Or you're going right. to consider, hey, maybe he's colorblind or something. And he don't <laughs> right. see what I see. You know what yep. I'm saying? Yep. So Definitely. It's, it's, it's the differences that makes us great. Mm. So having respect for that is what unites us all. You know what I'm saying? So definitely, definitely. If, if you can't, if you can't see that, then, you know, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, bash nobody, but it's like, you know, get, get out of the way. Like yeah. if you want to be negative and, and the only thing you want to do is, uh, you know, blame other people or get upset that someone else is, you know, living life the way they want to, man, then, you know, move to an island and, and, and keep that to yourself. <laughs> or go get some therapy and make some friends. Mm. Like, you know, try to figure out why you're so angry and everybody else is, you know, going through life without that, you know. Mm. And just because someone's smiling doesn't mean they aren't going through stuff, too. They just okay. know how to put on a brave face. Absolutely. Absolutely. They say um, comedians... Um, some uh, comedians are some of the most depressed people, and um, that always sits with me because it's true. It's true, and they they make people laugh. Yeah, I mean, people always say I should be a comedian. I'm like, really? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm number one. I'm not a comedian. Two, if I tell you a story, stern look on my face. And it sounds tragic, like, <laughs> you know. Like, see how you laughing? <laughs> this is not a performance. I'm just talking, you know. What right, I'm right, right. So, I, I can't, I can't say that, you know. I'm, I'm the happiest person in the world, but I'm very jovial. You know what yes. I'm saying? Yes. Like, yes. I'm not, I'm not the type of person that goes around smiling from ear to ear. Like, I have a very stern demeanor and a stoic presence. So, people always assume. Mm-hmm. The worst about me oh he's upset wow. or he's this and he's that and i yeah. you know i say whatever just don't don't cross me and i won't you know throw you through no wall or nothing like that okay. you know? yeah so so funny yeah i mean other Oof. than that you know if, if anything you know i think that there 
you know, performing comedy is the therapy that we don't know that's helping the comedians if they do feel depressed or are sad on the inside. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, I, I try not to, you know, go with a, a general statement or a general notion about something like, okay, yeah, you do find out about people who, you know, end up, you know, dying from depression or whatever, but, you know, you hear it all the time, just because you see somebody on TV or you see them on video yeah, or whatever, you, you have no idea who this person is because you yeah. don't know them personally. All you yes. know is, you know, general statements or, you know, what the public says. So Definitely. until then, then do what the next man does and mind your business and, you know, like or don't like the video. <laughs> Definitely. That's, yeah, I would say um, I'm, I'm definitely jovial. I definitely smile a lot. Um, but my I get that from my mom and my dad, too. Um, my dad had a great smile. <laughs> um, and um, for me, my writing is where I really tell the gritty part. Um, because, you know, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Burner Boy, but one of, the, one of the things he says in his song is, you know, my smile covers a lot. Um, and I would say I, I, that resonates with me, too. Like, I've, you know, been through so much, but I still I love to smile. Um, and I know that, like, that could throw some people off, too. Like, why the hell are you smiling so much? Um, but um, it's just, you know, a natural nature. I'm also Ghanaian, and I find that Ghanaians smile a lot. Ghanaians are very cool, um, calm, collective, um, you know, group, tribe. Um, but um, the way that we, I won't say hide, but just the way that we live with our, you know, traumas and, you know, things we've been through is, you know, through our smiles and through our demeanor. So, Yeah. So let me ask you this: Would uh, you got anything that you uh, you got projected for before twenty twenty one ends? Like something that you're going to drop or release? Um. Well, I'm celebrating my twenty eighth birthday, July eleventh. Um, and I'm having a poetry slam. Um, I'm I'm gonna change it to jam. I'm having a poetry jam. Um, as a celebration, you know, bringing in my birthday. Um, I have uh, poets coming to you know come perform and celebrate with me. I have a whole open mic sesh, uh, section of the event to have different um, artists come and share their work uh, and I have my sister co-hosting the event with me um, and I definitely want to in the future make it an in-person event um, what else I would say I oh man I'm, I'm going to be moving more into the marketing space of publishing um, you know I've, I've built my team I have a really solid team amazing editors proofreaders illustrators um, transcribers, like it's been, you know, a whirlwind of meeting these different talents. Um, but for the end of the year, I'd say I'm, you know, trying to um, acquire new clients, um, help people publish their manuscripts, and eventually I will be um, doing a writing coach, um, partnering with some other writing coaches as well to help people. Um, you know, with the actual process of writing, um, building a manuscript. So, yeah, that's what we got for 2021. Have you ever thought about 
creating like uh, video content as you know part of your marketing uh, video content um, for like a specific, um, you mean like video content in general? Yeah, so like uh, like a like a two minute skit or something like that. Of, oh, you know, you yeah. to, you know, like uh, like like let's say somebody was looking for a publisher or something, and then something that people find that was catchy or funny, and then yeah. you know, it also I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working on it, T. I'm working on it. Um, I definitely, I, I'm, I'm finding myself, I know that with the marketing, I'm going to, you know, get all these things, but yes, I'm working on that aspect because what I've been doing so far is just talking to the camera, but I haven't done, you know, anything like what you're saying, like scripts and, you know, performing and, you know, catchy things like that. So I definitely have some work to do to get to that point, but I definitely will. Yeah, I mean that's that's like the wave of the future because it is. You know, every, <laughs> yeah, everyone's looking for like the latest TikTok or indeed, you know, yes, the, the yes, hot video, or whatever. So that's something that I think would be, you know, noteworthy and uh, yeah. I gotta get my, I gotta get myself into that space. Yeah, I totally agree because I follow um, other publishing firms as well, and I see their TikTok videos and how you know they put their scripts and their videos together, and it's exactly what you're describing. So I'll I'll be getting my foot in the door in, in that aspect in that regard. There you go. <laughs> well. Uh, this has been dope. I appreciate you coming on today, uh, Koswa. This is uh, a very enlightening conversation. We definitely have to do it again. Um, yes, I uh, love that. You know, hopefully next time we speak, it'll be uh, you uh, brandishing a new book or a new venture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. Thank you again for having me too. Most definitely, most definitely. So uh, why don't you let the people know where they can find you at? Absolutely. Uh, you can find me at amakoso.com. Uh, that's I-M-A-K-O-S-U-A.com. You can book a, a free publishing consultation. It won't be free for long. Actually, it's the end of the month. I'm, I'm shooting myself in the foot. My business consultant is going to kill me for saying that. But um, you can book a consultation <laughs> at amakoso.com. Uh, you can join the Poetry Slam. It's going to be July 11th at 7 p.m. Eastern Central Time via Zoom. Um, and you can get access to that event at amakoso.com slash bday. I'm also on all social media platforms at I'm underscore Akosua. That's I-M underscore A-K-O-S-U-A. All right, you heard her. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like I said, this is this has been a great conversation. Yes, um, thank you. Big I, uh, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna try to remember um, that book idea I was talking about. Like, yes, uh, I really I really would like to see like something like that come to light, and like okay. even if it came like a, a Netflix uh, series or something. I think that I think that you know a lot of there are more and more younger people reading. Yeah. But when it comes to like streaming and watching content and gaining knowledge through that or through podcasts, that's more of an uptick right now. So, you know, it putting is. it out there in different formats, that's what's going to help the message, you know, grow. 
Definitely, definitely. I'll be talking to my husband about that. That might be podcast worthy too. So I'll definitely, it's, it's locked in the back of my head. You got my, my wheel spinning on that topic for sure. There you go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, the Landover Legend, aka Big T, and this has been another installment of the I Can't Make This Up podcast. <laughs> I can't with a K make this up podcast. You can find me everywhere podcasts available. I'm also on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. And I'm gonna say this again, like I've been saying lately. If you on my YouTube channel, if you don't hit that subscribe button, we're gonna have a problem. <laughs> or at least hit the like button. Oh, even hit the unlike button. So, you know, I, I, I can keep it in rotation and block you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, no, man, I appreciate all my listeners and everybody who's been uh with me on this journey. It's been almost a year now and things have been progressing and been great. So, you know, I get to meet great people like this young lady right here and her husband and everyone else I've had on the show and who won't be on the show in the future. So thank you for taking this journey with me. And until next time, peace. <laughs> I can't make this up. Being the wing man got me punched in the face by this crazy chick. I can't make this up. Gave this cool old man to ride home. Now I'm harboring the fugitive. I can't make this up. Pin between the fat chick and the speaker. Now my shirt smell like her backside. I can't make this up. It's all bad cause my man about to get stabbed in his hand over french fries. Bad. And I'ma let the land over legend do the rest. I'm out.